Hello, my rebels. I want to talk to you about my quarrel with Aaron O'Toole and the Conservative Party. Not because I like the quarrel, but don't punch me and, and think I'm going to just turn the other cheek if you're fibbing about me. So I felt I had to reply, but I'm not going to reply unfairly. I just want to show you the paper trail of my complete exchange with Aaron O'Toole's office. I, I hope you don't find it boring. You might. You might say, Ezra, that's gossip. I don't want to hear it. But unfortunately, I think it reveals a weakness in the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, I think what the documents I'm about to show you will prove is that absolutely, of course, I interviewed Aaron O'Toole by email, of course, which is what I said. Uh, and for him to try and denounce that or deny that is weird. And it's a symptom of his total fear of the media party. So that's what you're in for if you continue listening. I'd invite you to watch also by becoming a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You know, that's what, 8 bucks a month, 80 bucks a year if you buy the whole year in advance. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. And that'll help us out because it'll help put some change in our piggy bank and uh, you'll get the video version of the show. Plus now we have three shows in addition to mine. Sheila Gunn-Reed, David Menzies, and a new show called Andrew Says by Andrew Chapados. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, why isn't the Federal Conservative Party talking about Trudeau's bungling of the vaccines issue? It's January 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon oh, consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say is government, but why publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. I'm skeptical about vaccines. I'm skeptical about them being rushed into market so quickly. I'm wondering if they are fully tested, including on different demographics, people who are very old, people who are sick, people who are malnourished, people who are pregnant, on children. I'm a little nervous about it in particular because I've been studying the statistics for months. And I realize that while some parts of the community are at risk, others have an extremely low risk of uh, suffering any harm uh, from the coronavirus, COVID-19, or even death. So I want to know more before I say green light to vaccines. I'm not against vaccines per se. I just know that sometimes they can be dangerous and risky, and I want to know all the side effects. And every day that passes, I'm more and more convinced that COVID-19 is a disease that hurts the very old and those with very deep underlying comorbidities, as they're called, which means you're already sick from two or three serious things. That said, some people deeply believe in the vaccine, and anyone who believes in freedom of choice should say, if you believe in the vaccine, if you're worried about it, if you think it'll make you healthy or protect you, or maybe just give you some mental health, some peace of mind, if that's important to you, I'm not going to say no. And so it is in Canada as around the world, Many countries are dispensing vaccines, often for free. For whatever reason, the little country of Israel is far ahead of the pack in terms of vaccinating people. They've vaccinated an enormous amount of what they consider their vulnerable populations, older people. Canada, despite spending billions on everything, is far behind in the pace 
of handing out vaccines. And you can see in various headlines, Justin Trudeau blames the provinces for the slow rollout of the vaccine, but they all get the vaccine from Trudeau. He and his cabinet ministers boast about how many they've ordered, but it's one thing to order a vaccine. What really counts is, does it actually show up? And again, I'm just talking about this for people who want it. I note that the province of Alberta that has the fastest distribution of vaccines other than tiny Prince Edward Island, they're about to run out. So the obvious question is, where is the federal conservative party on this? Why isn't Aaron O'Toole, their leader, making a big fuss about the fact that the one thing, Trudeau had one job, he had two jobs. One was sealing off the airports from China. He didn't do that. His only other job was getting the vaccines. That's how it is. And he hasn't. Why? Why was he too busy banning single-use plastic bags? Now, there's been a little bit of noise on this, but remember the quiz we did the other day? Who is the Conservative Party health critic? No one really knew. It's Michelle Rempel of Calgary. So where is the protest? Where is the demonstration? Where is the daily press conference? Where, where is the federal conservative fight back on this issue? If we can't get the conservatives to fight against the lockdown, if we can't get them to fight against other things, well, at least can they fight on this? If they think that the vaccine is being politically correct and they want to be on that side, this is the perfect opportunity for them to be pro-vaccine for those who want them and critical of Justin Trudeau. Why haven't they done that? Well, one reason, and it's a very weird reason, is because Aaron O'Toole's entire communications team made the decision that this was the week that they were going to fight with Rebel News instead of fight with Justin Trudeau. So weird. I told you about this yesterday. It started when we did an interview with Aaron O'Toole, an email interview. He didn't want to do a video interview. That's fine. And we published it on Monday verbatim. You know what that means, right? Word for word. Nothing added, nothing taken away. It was a pretty short interview. It was only four questions. And I thought it was a good interview. I thought it made him look good. And we emailed it out to a lot of people. I think it was a win for Aaron O'Toole, but some mean kids in the parliamentary press gallery stole his lunch money. So that night, you can see here that Melanie Parody, her, the uh, communications director for Aaron O'Toole, said it was a fake. There was no interview. The whole thing was a hoax or something. I don't know. I think she was just trying to get the bullies to stop bothering her. And she started to disparage Rebel News and claim the whole thing never happened or didn't happen the way we said it. It was a, it's a little curious how exactly she said things went down because we had the words by Aaron O'Toole and they weren't claiming we didn't have the words. So instead of fighting on the vaccines filed, Aaron O'Toole and his communication staff have been fighting on the rebel file. And look at this. Here's a tweet from a liberal MP tweeting me with approval, fact-checking the communications director for the Conservative Party. When a liberal MP is quoting you with approval, that's always a bad sign. Thing is, I just don't think that we at Rebel News can stand by silently as Aaron O'Toole's director of communications said that we lied or something. I still don't know exactly what the charge is. Anyways, uh, the communications director of the Conservative Party spent the last few days doing this. So I thought I would, I don't know, it's sort of weird, 
clear the air and show you my entire exchange, which was all by email, with the communications staff of uh, the Conservative Party. You could judge for yourself. I actually did it in a series of tweets earlier today, but I, I want to share it with you too, just in case you care. And I promise this will be the last day I talk about this contratop. So um, just to recap, we had a huge scoop back in December. I had a 34-page document called The China Files. It was unredacted top secret memos about the relationship between the Canadian Armed Forces and the People's Liberation Army. It was supposed to be blacked out, but it wasn't. And it was sent to me by the government. I didn't steal it. I didn't hack it. It was a huge news story. The Globe and Mail followed up on it. You might recall I went on Tucker. And, of course, Aaron O'Toole went to Parliament to ask questions about it and had a press conference about it. I tried to get into his press conference, um, but they didn't call on me. I think I mentioned this to you the other day. Uh, they called on the CBC twice and Canadian Press twice, but those journalists never actually asked about the documents. So after the press conference was over, I sent a direct message on Twitter to Aaron O'Toole, who follows me on Twitter. A direct message is like a, well, it's just what it sounds like. It's a private, it's like an email. But Aaron O'Toole only follows a certain number of people, so it's not as cluttered as your email might be. Now, I didn't hear back from him directly, but I was delighted to receive an email from O'Toole's press secretary, Chelsea Tucker. She got right back to me and said she was happy to hear from me, um, but she was just too busy that day to arrange an interview. All right, no problem. Um, yeah, it could be true. Leader of the opposition, very busy per person, just had a whole press conference on this issue to no avail, but all right, fine, no problem. But I wanted to check because remember, Andrew Shear boycotted Rebel News. So in my email to Chelsea Tucker, I was glad she wrote to me, I asked her to please clarify, was Aaron O'Toole really just too busy? Or was Andrew Shear's unpopular boycott of Rebel News still in effect? As you can see in my email, I asked twice, are you still banning us? If so, just tell me and I'll stop pestering you. The yellow highlights here were in my original email. Look, I wasn't looking for a fight. I really want, wasn't. I had the story of the year in my view. Uh, I had just done Tucker Carlson, huge show. Um, and I thought, well, look, you guys are the conservatives. You should be talking about this. Now, to my delight, Chelsea Tucker, the press secretary for Andrew O'Toole, uh, Aaron O'Toole, wrote back to me assuring me that Aaron O'Toole was indeed engaging with us. We are members of the Independent Press Gallery, and O'Toole made a promise to deal with Independent Press Gallery members. And, Chelsea Tucker reminded me, O'Toole had done one-on-one -on -one interviews with Kean Bextie. So she said, again, it was really just a question of time. So could we do the interview in writing instead of via Skype? So she insisted that, no, no, they were indeed talking to Rebel News. It was just everyone was so, so busy. Could I put my questions in writing? And I said, all right, here you go. I mean, that's sort of lame, considering we're in the video business. But I put a series of questions to Aaron O'Toole, and I sent them courtesy of his press secretary. <laughs> and I said, seriously, when you're done being beat up by the CBC, come on over for a real interview on the real issue, or not. And uh, 
delay and delay and delay. I didn't hear back from Chelsea Tucker, but I can be stubborn sometimes. So I checked in with her, and then again, and then again, and then again, and I was getting a little bit impatient. But after checking four times, it was a Christmas miracle. I did get the answers to my interview questions. It was so late in the year, I didn't want to have the story buried in the Christmas break, which is sort of a dead zone for news. And since the comments were exclusive to me, I knew I wouldn't be scooped by another media company if I waited till after Christmas. As you can see, the answers to my series of questions were written in the first person. As prime minister, I would do this, I would do that. So it was obviously from Aaron O'Toole. And uh, O'Toole had interlaced his answers to my questions. So it was an email interview. Question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So it came back to me. I was frankly a little bit surprised, but I just wanted to triple check because again, you know, I was still a little questioning here. So I checked, can I attribute these words, this interview that you packaged for me, can I attribute it to Aaron O'Toole? And she said, yep, it's from O'Toole. Have a Merry Christmas. So that's it. That's the entire exchange. And it was all by email. I never had a phone call. You've just seen it all. I direct messaged O'Toole on Twitter. He had his press secretary email me. I asked for a TV interview. She offered one by email instead. I sent my questions over. After I pestered them four times, they finally sent the interview questions back with answers, and I proved it to be quoted in the boss's name. I think that's what you say QED to. That's what I was trying to show you. So what changed between Monday morning and Monday afternoon when O'Toole practiced a little cancel culture on me, which he repeatedly promised he would not do during the campaign? He folded in a matter of hours. Did I misquote Aaron O'Toole? No, we published his answers verbatim. I actually just used my mouse and I cut and paste literally from the press secretary's email because I didn't want to get a punctuation mark wrong. Everything was exactly, if, if he had a spelling error in there, we would have published it that way. Was it an interview? Of course it was an interview. That's what you call a series of questions and answers between a journalist and a politician. I wanted to do it via Skype. I think maybe they were nervous about that, that I might ask a gotcha question. So they prefer to do it by email so they were more in control. That's fine. My favorite line in this whole story was in the Globe and Mail when they wrote about O'Toole throwing us under the bus. Look at this, look at this in the Globe. Mr. O'Toole did not have an interview with the rebel and will not in the future, Mr. O'Toole's press secretary, Chelsea Tucker, said in an email. She did not say why Mr. O'Toole's office agreed to the interview. So we didn't have an interview. We're not going to have an interview, but I'm not going to tell you why we had an interview. <laughs> okay. So we're doing a poll. I'm not sure if you got an email from us this morning about that. Should O'Toole ban Rebel News. And I honestly, I don't know exactly what banning Rebel News means. I mean, the Liberal Party tries to ban Rebel News. Um, Doug Ford probably would try and ban Rebel News. A lot of people would like try and ban us, but, you know, we're still here. Uh, Andrew Scheer tried to ban us, and I'm not even sure where he is these days. For all I know, he's in Hawaii, too. Um, so yesterday, I made a video about the ban, and I asked people to vote. Should we be banned? 
I honestly don't know what it means to be banned, but we put a poll up on a special website called banrebelnews.com. So maybe I was sort of juicing the vote to be hostile to us. Now, I took a snapshot of the poll just before I come into the studio here today, and here are the results so far. 81 people think we should be banned, and 8,014 people don't think we should be banned. What do you think? Well, I know a number of people phoned uh, the party headquarters today and gave a piece of their mind. I said call the party, but if you support them, give them a donation. I think they're going to need the help. I come back to how I started this whole thing. I didn't want to quarrel with Aaron O'Toole. I wanted to do the opposite. I wanted an interview with the guy. I wanted to talk to him about the news. But their press team is so shell-shocked, so unself-confident, such an inferiority complex. They were played like a fine violin by the media party, the CBC, and the liberals. When a liberal MP is quoting me, fact-checking the Conservative Party's press staff, that's a bad week. And it managed to change the channel for Justin Trudeau, who's just laughing as the Conservative Party picks a fight with the biggest conservative media in Canada. I'll say what I said yesterday. I actually want Aaron O'Toole to win the next election. I don't want Justin Trudeau to be prime minister. My worry is that Aaron O'Toole might not have the stuff. If he folds so quickly at the first whiff of gunpowder, how's he going to handle a whole campaign? I find this quite surprising given that he actually has smelled the gunpowder. He was a former member of the Canadian Armed Forces. Where's that stuff? Where's that fight? We need that now. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. I hope that he shakes his head and says, what am I doing fighting with the conservative media in this country instead of fighting with the Liberal Party? And why are my staff and MPs squawking about journalists instead of squawking about the lack of vaccines in Canada for those who want them. I don't know, but then again, I'm not the leader of the Conservative Party. Meantime, I'll just keep on doing things over here. I'm not going to talk about the subject anymore, but I wanted to bring it full circle and show you the entire exchange between me and the party, just in case you thought there were some shenanigans. I want you to know that it was they who suggested doing the interview by email, they who got me the quotes, they who said it was indeed Aaron O'Toole, and they who approved every word and then finally freaked out at the first whiff of pressure. It's heartbreaking, but you know what? We got work to do. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. Well, last week it was the province of Quebec with nearly 25% of Canada's population that was put under curfews, nighttime curfews from 8 p.m. till 5 p.m. like you're some sort of child or something, like the virus is deadly at (laughs) 8.01, but not at 7.59 p.m. There's no science there. It's about conditioning us for control. Well, today, as we were sitting in our office here in Toronto, Canada's most, uh, in Canada's most populous province of Ontario, everyone in the room, we were in the office, every one of us got this emergency alert on our cell phone. You know, the type usually reserved for a kidnapped kid, an amber alert. Well, let me read this to you. Emergency alert. A stay-at-home order is in effect. Only leave home for essential purposes such as food, healthcare, exercise, or work. It is the law. 
Stay home, stay safe, stay live. Learn more at Ontario slash COVID response. Except that's not the whole story, is it? There's actually 29 reasons, 29 exemptions that allow you to leave your house. Why is the government saying you can't leave the house when there are actually some ways to leave the house? Why are they telling us that we have to be in total fear? Joining us now to talk about this is our friend Andrew Lawton, the host of The Andrew Lawton Show and a pillar of True North. How you doing, Andrew? Good. How are you doing, Ezra? Good. Did you get that same Amber Alert on your phone? I did. I'm glad I'm not a late sleeper or I would have been uh, roused to it uh, with a genuine emergency alert. It was actually a civil liberties emergency, not the intended one. But uh, yes, I certainly got that blaring on my phone when I was actually trying to record my own show. Yeah. I mean, uh, we intend to live our lives as we do. And if any police officer wants to stop us, we'll see them in court. We're really doing lots of civil liberties stuff these days. Um, I haven't had a chance to go through the regs very detailed. The weird thing is they announced the lockdown first, but didn't publish the rules till later. That which, How can you do that? No one knows what they have to follow. No citizens know what the rules are. No police know what the rules are. Time and again, we see police going too far, being too threatening with a taser, with arrest, because they don't know what the rules are either. Yeah, I mean, I think an example of this is a Montreal police yesterday or two days ago inspecting a woman's lunch bag to make sure there was something essential in it because they caught her breaking curfew. And I guess she had to prove that she had a a sandwich in there and not, you know, guitar strings or something like that. But the problem with this emergency alert, when you give a very simple message that you have to stay home, it's the law, they're actually getting people who aren't paying attention to the news because everyone who has a cell phone is seeing that and it was very difficult even for people that do follow the news to keep up with what the regulations actually were they announced this they announced some amendments they put out a frequently asked questions they've put out statements there were conflicting news stories and it was only six hours before the order actually went into effect that the actual text of it was made available. The average Ontarian isn't going to read that and make sure they fall within those 29 exemptions. The average person is going to get that thing on their phone that says it's against the law for you to leave your house. Yeah. You know, um, you and I consume more news than 99.9% of people. It's our business. Uh, I have a law background. You think like a lawyer so we can, and you interview great lawyers. Is that an insult or a compliment? No, no, you have, like you analyze and you detect the BS words. You know what I mean by that? So you and I, I would call, uh, we're, I I mean, this is not a compliment. I think I'm trying to describe our interest in the news. I would call us sophisticated consumers of the news. I'm not saying we can't be bamboozled or we we understand everything, but on the spectrum of people, because I'm thinking of, what about someone who doesn't follow the news at all? They don't care. They follow mm-hmm. sports and celebrities. They don't follow the news. What about someone for whom English is a second language? They're a little wobbly in English. They just came to Canada, maybe. They get this. They don't know. They, it feels like a police state. What about people who are just plain old simple or naive? Or, or And what about people who are scared? And that's a lot of people. They've been conditioned to be scared for almost a year. And then you get this stay in your home do not leave your home, stay Mm -hmm. in your home, this is the law. It is straight out of a dystopian science fiction novel, and I think it's terrible. Yes, and that's precisely the point here, is that this is now for the average person 
for, I would say, the majority of people telling them that they are not allowed to leave their homes for practically anything. When in reality, it was surprising, given that there was talk of a curfew, how uh, toothless in some regards the order was. I mean, the province's frequently asked questions thing says, well, you know, people will have the right to figure it out and we're not going to tell a business whether what they're selling is essential or non-essential and we're not going to tell you whether you can do this or, or do that. So in a lot of cases, there is a lot of latitude given to people to make up their own minds, which I, I think should be commended and is what we need to see more of. But when the language surrounding it is stay home, stay home, stay home, uh, you're really sowing confusion. And it's like they're actually uh, creating a law that can't be challenged in a way because they're telling people to stay home, but the actual order gives more latitude, which means they achieve the result they want without having something that can be challenged in court. Yeah. You know what? I, I met a grandparent the other day who was saying that his own children refuse to meet with them, not because they're mad at them, because they're scared to kill them with the virus. Mm -hmm. I know other seniors who are afraid to leave home and will probably, Andrew, never leave their home for the rest of their lives. And I don't mean never, ever. I mean, they go in to the store once a week. But other than that, they have their entire outside, outward looking life is over. No more traveling, no more going out with friends, no more going out to restaurants, no more. It, this has killed an entire culture. It has petrified millions of people. I, I can't believe it's still accepted. Where is the opposition? What I don't understand, Andrew, is why is no one in any institution speaking out? No opposition party in Canada is against this, other than tiny details. No, I mean, the sun takes a run at it a bit. We do. But I mean, a mighty institution. No judge has struck anything down. No other, like all of the social media are totally on board with it. There's no other power source that says, whoa, stop what you're doing. What, why is that, Andrew? You know, I think there are a lot of factors. Number one is that this has become a, a culture war issue now beyond the legal issues and beyond the bylaws and the regulations and the orders and the orders in council so that it is a cancel a cancelable offense to speak out against this and and when we do hear political opposition oftentimes especially at the provincial level it's from opposition parties that are demanding the government go even uh, beyond what they're doing the NDP in Alberta the NDP in Ontario their opposition to regulations is why are you not locking more down why are you not restri restricting more freedoms and I am encouraged to see a lot of the work you've been doing at Rebel to help people fight fines, the Canadian Constitution Foundation, the, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. This is great to help individual people. The problem with this is that it's a, a defensive mechanism. It's that it, it's a it's a reactive approach. It's a responsive one. So there isn't this, you know, major get to the core of the bylaws and restrictions and regulations and ordinances themselves. You're right that that's something that's missing. You know, I'm very frustrated by it. I, I see the same thing you do. I love doing our fight the fines. I feel like we're helping lots of individual people. Um, but that's like playing whack-a-mole. Like there's always going to be more. Um, mm -hmm. And you're not moving the ball forward. You're just stopping it from going backward. I mean, uh, I don't know. There have been a few attempts at a constitutional challenge. I think judges are afraid just like everyone. I think um, judges don't want to be seen. To, no one wants to be seen to do anything risky and deadly. No one wants to have deaths hung around their neck. 
And the thing is, the irony is, this lockdown is causing many more deaths uh, indirectly and not on purpose compared to the number it's saving. I, I, find, I think we're in the darkest days yet. Uh, can you give me something positive to think about? Is there any silver lining here? Is there, any, is there anything to, to make us more optimistic or hopeful? Well, it's a really, you got to really search for the silver lining. The one upside is that it's only when things get really bad that people realize how bad things are and, and start to push back against it. And, you know, when people are having their sandwich bags inspected and if people are pulled over and questioned on why they're going to this park or that park or people who are seen together or forced to justify that they live together, I mean, these sorts of things are, are quite terrible and, and very much signs of dark days. But these actions tend to be very revealing. And a lot of the people who have been somewhat complacent, I think we'll have to wake up. Now, that may be wishful thinking, and I realize that's a very twisted positive since you asked for a positive, but that's the only thing we can hold out hope for right now. Hmm. Well, we'll keep up the fight, and I know you will too. Great to see you again. I'd like to encourage our viewers who have not done so already to check out your show called The Andrew Lawton Show, which can be found at andrewlawtonshow.com. I'm right on that URL. Is that right, Andrew? You are. Thank That's you. Great. We'll keep up the great work over there. Thanks for your time today. Anytime. Okay. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back on my show last night. Julian writes, when Hitler ruled, you weren't allowed to criticize him. So I guess the same rules are applying here in Canada. It's very interesting. I mean, look, I don't believe in calling people Hitler too lightly because Hitler is worse than anyone in Canada. There's no one in Canada who did what Hitler did. I, I doubt there's anyone in Canada who would want to do what Hitler did. So to call Trudeau Hitler is to diminish that. And I, I don't want to do that. Um, I do call people communists sometimes because they really are communists. They admit it. There's not a lot of Nazis. I think it's more sort of live action role playing. There are some would-be neo-Nazis, but they're generally poor living in their parents' basement and just tapping on the internet. I don't think they're real communists. I do think are real, and I think they have some power. But I don't like using either communist or Nazi lightly, because they have such a deep, dark meaning. The Nazis killed tens of millions of people. The communists killed hundreds of millions of people. You know, estimates say that close to 60 million in China alone. I don't think we should throw those words around, but my point is Trudeau throws them around and the police hunt you down if you say them about him. He's starting to resemble that which he claims he is not. Rainer writes, thank you Ezra and also Sheila Gunn-Reed for your work. I would love to patronize the businesses of those brave small business people that are defying these unconstitutional lockdowns. Is there a way to become a part of this network by becoming a customer of small businesses that are standing up for freedom? It's a really good idea. I don't know the right system or structure for that. I'll ask Sheila. Maybe she has an idea. My head is spinning with so many projects right now. I'm really alert to the lockdown in Ontario and the curfew in Quebec. I'm trying hard to increase our capacity to take tickets and fines for people. That's really on my mind. Plus, I'm defending our team against, uh, you know, ridiculously, uh, Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives. I want to focus on the real stuff instead. But... Um, that's not a bad idea, and unfortunately, we're going to be in this lockdown for quite a while. Let me close by saying tonight, we're starting a new show. It's called Andrew Says. 
It's with our own Andrew Chapados, and it's a series of interviews. Now, this one's sort of cheating, because normally he talks to people outside Rebel News, but his guest tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern is our own Avi Yamini, but it's more of a biographical interview. I think you'll like it. That's tonight at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain Time. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters and you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.